welcome to another episode of the Exchange by Evolution. So I am your host today, Roseanne, and we have Danny from Running 2020 and Tingy from Accredify. So would you guys like to introduce yourself? Sure. sure. So my name is Danny Levy. I'm the managing director of a company called Money 2020. I've been in Singapore for 13 years. I've run four companies in that time, Money 2020 being the fourth. Uh, previously, I was the managing director of a company called Worldwide Business Research. Uh, and that company organizes uh, events all over the world. Um, but here in Asia, we also organize small one-to-one uh, -one meetings and digital events. And then I've moved on to Money 2020 uh, in January of this year. And uh, Money 2020 is really the place where money does business, that's what we say. And what that really means is uh, um, it's an event series, um, but not your typical kind of B2B event. I'm sure the first thing that pops into your mind when you think about a B2B event might be some of the ones you've attended. So Money 2020 is very different. It's more like a, a festival or a show, um, very unique. So we have experiential experiences, very hands-on. Uh, our stages are incredibly difficult to get on. We have over one and a half thousand applications to get on our stages uh, and only 2% of people that apply actually get picked to get on the stage. And we really set the pulse of the industry and the entire money ecosystem comes together over three days to connect and uh, over three or four months of meetings actually get done. Thousands of meetings get done at the show. Um, and the reason those meetings are so fruitful is that because of all of the different experience we provide on site, people are inspired, people are energized. And then when they're having those meetings, they're doing it at the highest point of inspiration. So when you leave the show, normally when you leave a show, you might remember one or two things. When you leave Money 2020, there's 10, 20, 30 things you'll take back to the office. Wow, yeah. it's amazing. How to be? Yeah. <laughs> and we're organizing the Asia show uh, in Bangkok next year on the 23rd to the 25th of April. Next year. Next year. Yeah. Wow, okay. Yeah, lots of planning goes into yeah, these things. Yeah. More than a year later. More than a year, but uh, yeah, if you want to do it well and if you want to make mm -hmm. it unmissable, we want to make everything unmissable, mm -hmm. then it takes at least a year of planning. Yeah. You need to plan in advance, yeah. So I'm Tingyi. I'm the Chief Operating Officer at Accredify. So I started out first in the banking industry as a business analyst, then I went on to work in a shipping company. Okay. Uh, right now at Accredify, I've been here for around three years. So Credify, we are a very different company from Money 2020. We are a trusted company, a mm -hmm. small startup in Singapore with around 40 people right now. And what we really do is help organizations and institutions issue verifiable documents. Mm -hmm. So imagine that you have a very important document right now. It can be anything. And imagine that one day you no longer have to question whether this mm -hmm. document is actually an authentic copy or not. Yeah. And you will be certain about the authenticity of this. So that's where Credify wants to go. We are trying to pioneer the move into verifiable digital documents. So we started firstly in the education space where we helped um, organizations, schools, institutions issue digital certificates and transcripts. So probably if you graduated from a uh, university in Singapore, you probably have received an accredited cert before. Then later on, we actually moved into the healthcare space. We mm -hmm. started out with the issuance of digital discharge memos for the foreign workers. And later on, we moved on to PCR tests and ART tests. So maybe if you traveled during COVID, you might have had to take a PCR test before you boarded your 
your flight, right? Mm-hmm. Most likely that cert was probably issued by a credifier. Mm-hmm. So it's like the little like tick on Twitter to say you're verified or like something like that. So how it actually works for the health certs is that let's say you go to a clinic and then they do your swap, they mm-hmm. they get your results and they'll actually email you a PDF with a QR code. All you need to do at customs is let the customs officer scan the QR code. And once they scan it, they'll show that it's verified when you actually did the test and they can certify that you're really safe and you are really COVID free. Right, right. Yeah. That's cool. I mean, two different, two very different. Very different. Very different. Yeah. But complimentary. I mean, you should be at Money 2020. Oh. Yeah. Try to get that. Try to get, be that 2%. <laughs> <laughs> so today we'll be talking mainly um business transformation. So I think that would be our common topic in terms of um, the industry is all tech, you know? So let's just talk about business transformation in tech in the B2B space. So um, how do you want to start? Maybe then Daniel, you'll share with the, the events. You said that the events are all like festivals and all that and how Accredify can be part of it. So mm-hmm. what do you think that um, this entire uh, transformation is about? In, in terms of business transformation? Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's, there's two sides to it, right? So um, there's the transformation, the business transformation that Money 2020 provides, and then the business transformation when you're talking internally, running a company. So I, I can talk about uh, both sides of the, of the coin. So for Money 2020, I think I mentioned it's the place where the entire money ecosystem comes together. Mm-hmm. And really it was, it was founded in 2012 by two fintech insiders. And the reason they founded it was that they, they had a problem. They, they themselves were attending events, attending um, B2B trade shows and shows, um, but they were quite niche. So they were, they were serving the banks or they were serving the fintechs or they were serving payments companies. And there was nothing where people could come together under one umbrella to meet, to do business, to talk about partnerships, to learn, to be inspired. And that was the problem that they found. And, as we know, any any great business needs to solve a problem, right? You have to solve a, a customer pain, a problem. Uh, and that was why they founded Money 2020. Uh, and the event's gone from strength to strength over the years. Um, the show in Las Vegas last year had 11,500 professionals at it. And the show in Amsterdam, uh, 7,500. So, but the difference with our shows is that they're not free to attend. Right. Everybody buys a ticket. So that makes them very premium and very senior. And that also then adds into the quality of conversations that you have on site because nobody there is a, is a time waster. Everyone there is very serious, very professional and wants to do business. And they plan their time on site, right? They, they plan, okay, they go through our event up, they see who's attending, they look at the agendas, all the amazing speakers that we have, and they make sure that they get the most out of the show. And because there's so many different things going on you know, in Las Vegas last year, we had uh, UAV drone activations. We had an off the record stage where you had to leave your phone, you get frisked by a bouncer and you go in and you wear headphones. It's a silent stage. Oh, yeah. And it's like silent disco. Yeah, so Chatham House rules. In Amsterdam last year, they had a sex, drugs and rock and roll stage. So quite edgy. Uh, you go in, you know, lots of kind of disruptive content is happening on that stage. I think, like I mentioned, around inspiring people, making things unmissable. So what that means in terms of business transformation is that it's an incredible, incredibly productive time on site, and it's a huge time-saving opportunity. So if you come to a Money 2020, as I said, you can 
have thousands of meetings or there are thousands of meetings you could be having hundreds of meetings at the show if you plan your time correctly and that can really fast track your your own company development um when you go back to the office so in terms of business transformation that's kind of the one thing for money 2020 is that it's a very productive use of your time if you attend and internally the way i have always thought about it in my career um previous companies and now at money 2020 it's quite simple it's just the, the three p's mm-hmm. so people product and process right. yeah so you've got to make sure you've got the right people mm-hmm. sounds very easy yeah. sounds very very, very easy um but yeah finding the right people um assembling a complementary team making sure that they work well together mm-hmm. making sure that they gel um you can have the biggest dreams and the biggest ambitions in the world but if you have the wrong people you won't be able to realize those ambitions yeah so, so that's the one thing uh the other thing is is process so again um do you have the right processes in place to make sure that you can execute on what you want to execute on yeah uh and is that clearly communicated i think that's even more apparent now right as we've shifted to remote working mm-hmm. Um sometimes communication can break down or, or people Plus are working yeah, yeah people yeah. are working across time zones and again you don't know where to find a document so again those processes and, and they instill people with confidence right yeah. maybe you're a new starter and you're trying to figure out how things work you know those best practices processes make things a lot easier mm-hmm. so if you don't have them get them if you're setting up a new company try and put them in place as quickly as possible yeah. Uh, and these can be flexed but you know generally that's kind of the oil that helps you run your machine yeah no definitely i mean like in terms of um your your aspect of business transformation yeah. you know there are two different ways of viewing mm-hmm. yeah i mean think me um yeah. you want to share your views on yeah. business transformation <laughs> i think what they said about the three p's within business transformation yeah. when it comes to a company doing internal transformation is very yeah. popular and i yeah. fully agree i think People often overlook how important and difficult it is to get mm. the people part correct, right? Because yeah, yeah. you can have the right product, you can have the right processes, but without the right champion for your product or right champion for change, nothing's going to move. Mm. And even if things do move, you might get some roadblocks here and there. You need that right people, the right people there to actually get you over those hurdles. Yeah. Yeah. So I think when it comes to hiring for business transformation, it is very important to yeah. make sure you get the right people on board. I think mm. there are a lot of Uh, a lot of times people have the right qualifications but a lot of times i think for business transformation in particular the personality or the character of the person is even more important Absolutely. yeah and i think where the people part is difficult i think that's where the product actually comes in so if you can't really get the people part right then you do need a very good product that makes it really easy for people to use so that once you bring the product on board everyone in this company can tell like okay this product actually simplifies my process and i really do want to use this so i think that's probably on the other side of business transformation that's where Credify comes in because we really help the organizations simplify the process of issuing digital documents i think for example for example as a recruiter i think you know how difficult it is to actually verify all the qualifications yeah. of yeah. your hires right mm-hmm. but with a credit sign out it's really just a drag and drop you just mm-hmm. need to drag and drop the file and everyone knows okay yeah this is a real set this person actually graduated but just curious mm-hmm. right who is the one going through to verify these documents i mean okay it's very mm-hmm. easy to just say like oh yeah sure no sure mm-hmm. but then 
Who's verifying it? Ah, okay. So, great question. <laughs> so, when it comes to education certs, right? Yeah. For example, let's say now I, like, I graduated from NUN, so I have my um, open certs, right? Okay. So, if let's say now I'm applying for a job, all mm-hmm. I need to do is send this cert to my new employer or okay. the recruiter. All they need to do is go to the NUN's website or the open certs website. They just drag and drop the file. And it'll show all the documents. Um, it'll show my cert, it'll show my transcript, it'll show that this is actually actually issued by NUS, it's very flat, it has not been tampered with and it has not been revoked or expired. Have you ever gotten any tampered documents? Oh, I mean, sure. I think I think a lot of people do try to temper. So like if it's just a PDF, right, you can always add a text box, you can always change mm-hmm. your grades. But with this you can't. Because anytime you make any change, uh what it actually does is it changes the hash in the set. So we, we actually hash all the values in what is hash? Also, we put it through this algorithm that it cannot really be reversed. Yeah. How long does it take to verify? Instant. Instant. Okay. Yeah, instant. Wow. Yeah. Imagine if you have to take mm-hmm. a week, five minutes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no thanks. Technology. Yeah. So, who were some of your kind of biggest customers? Biggest customers? Uh, so, in Singapore, it'll definitely be our education clients. Anyways, um, NTU, SIM, SMU. Mm-hmm. Um, in the healthcare space, we work with more than 400 clinics in Singapore, okay. so the large uh, clinic groups are all our clients as well. Yeah. Yeah. And then right now we are also working in the corporate services space. Yeah. Um, so our client we actually is Accra, so we actually work okay. with them on um, this product of Traspa, where we issue verifiable um, corporate services and this stuff. Yeah. yeah. That is cool. I mean, like that is where the B2B comes in every right. day, right? I mean, a lot of that um, requires all these. Mm. Simplified or rather, yeah, workflow processes. Right. Okay, okay, okay. That's really cool. Yeah. yeah, and just coming back to the products as well, mm. I think uh, I think you touched on it. But um, if you've got the right products as well, and you've got an inspiring product, yeah, that also then ties back to your people. Yeah, I think you were mentioning it there. But people want to work on cool products, amazing they products, inspiring products. It, yeah. Right. Yeah. When you wake up in the morning. You want to feel motivated and energized to get out of bed, mm-hmm. right, and, and do your best work. And I think that's where the product mm-hmm. also ties back in to the other two. So it's all all very complementary. Yeah, um, so. But if you if you can sprinkle the stardust on it and get it all correct, mm-hmm. you know, then you create a, a, a great culture, right? And that's what it's all yeah, about: yeah. about a winning culture, a supportive culture, a place where people feel happy and energized to do their best work. Mm-hmm. I think that's really what business transformation is all about, including the technology side, mm-hmm. right? Again, people get very focused on technology transformation, but but really you want to bring in complementary technology, things that remove friction, mm-hmm. that kind of tie into to building that great culture. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, like, so just curious, mm-hmm. right? Have you guys had um, really bad interviews before? Uh, <laughs> it's changing face. We're not dropping names or anything or anything, but it's just to share, like, okay, what is not a good um, look when it, you know, when it comes to mm. interviewing with you guys, like, what mm. are your experiences? Something maybe they can take away from the podcast. I think for for me, the biggest turn off in the sense <laughs> okay. is when a person doesn't do any research on the company. Right. Yeah. So one. Pretty bad interview, or rather memorable bad interview <laughs> I had was when I asked the the candidate, so what do you know about our product and why, yeah. you, why did you apply, right? Yeah. And then the, the reply I got was, oh, the company is good and the product is good. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, so, so what do you understand about our product? And they're like, um, 
Actually, I just came back from a holiday, so I didn't search much. I just mm. applied for a job. Just an immediate job. Oh, yeah, right. immediately it's like, no thanks. Mm. Um, yeah, because you know this person is not going to be driven by the product. It's right. not going to be driven by the company's strategy, the company's goals, and right. I, we don't really want people like that on yeah. the team. You also have to remember as well, like if you're in an interview with a candidate, yeah. and if there's senior stakeholders from the company, it's not just an hour of time that you're going in for that interview. So if you've got three people, it's actually three hours. Right. So I've actually learned over the years, when I hear these type of things, I just disqualify. I mean, similar to on a sales call, yeah. you're looking to actually, if it's a first or second interview, I'm not talking about later stages, mm -hmm. but um, you actually want to shut down the interview as quickly as possible. Right. So I'd be asking three to four qualifying questions. Mm -hmm. And if they don't meet the standard, I end the meeting. Right, I'm not yeah, gonna. I just okay, say thank you for your time. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it's it's not a good use of your time. Yeah, um, yeah. And I think candidates, you have to take it seriously, right? Yeah. It's so easy to find information these days. Google search, you know, quick checks. Look at all this. You can do your homework, LinkedIn, right? Yeah. You can look at who you're going to be meeting with. Yeah. Find out little tidbits of information yeah. about them, yeah. and bring that. Bring that into the interview. You want to put your best foot forward, yeah. right? Even if interest. you have another two or three roles that you prefer, yeah. right? It's, exactly. a, it's a small world and you never know where people are going to end up. So put your best foot forward mm -hmm. when when you go into interviews and, and take things seriously. And I would just say, in, in terms of poor experiences on, on, on interviews, um, it's kind of surface level responses. Right. So if people are giving you very surface level responses, like for example, if I'm interviewing a, a sales candidate yeah. and I just say something as simple as, what, what, what do you like the most about B2B sales and what do you like the least? If I get a very surface level response to those questions, mm -hmm. again, you want to see passion, right? Yeah. You want to bring people into your company with a, with a passion and a bit of a chip on their shoulder and wanting to prove themselves mm -hmm. And you need to feel that energy. Yeah. And, yeah. and we, we discussed the other day, didn't we, when we did the, the quick call around, um, it's not an exact science, mm -hmm. bringing people into the company. You know, there might be people that don't interview as strongly, but when they start, mm -hmm. they surprise you. And, and if you do bring them in, you take a chance on them. Um, they have the right attributes, they do really well. So, but you do need to see that energy. Correct. Sure. Sure. Uh, so ultimately, it's process. really still like the first impression. It's like the first impression you you show them how interested you are, how driven you are as an individual. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I'm a big I'm a big believer of asking people to give you examples. Yeah. So, for example, um, can you give me an example of a time where you faced a challenge in your career? What did you do? What did you do to overcome that challenge? And what was the outcome? Yeah. Right. So they should be talking you through examples in their career. Yeah. And again, if they can't go into any depth. Or a lot of people I've noticed in interviews start talking, lose their train of thought, mm. and then can't bring it back to what your original question was. Right. And so again, these are small things that you can be testing for in the interview process. If you want to, again, if you want to save your time, because you can be seeing a, a lot of candidates. Thanks. Don't drift away from the original. So Don't drift away from the original. Yeah, you're going to end up answering your own question at the end. And you as the interviewer sitting there thinking, Sorry, what just happened? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I have had that happen quite often. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, it's actually quite common. I think sometimes people are also a little bit nervous. Mm-hmm. Or rather, maybe they come into an interview with an exact story that they want to tell. Uh, and then so, it goes a bit Correct. Off, they right? try to pull it yeah, back, right. always back to their story. And then it, it doesn't gel. Right, right, right. Yeah. So it's not like a bouncing off kind of yeah, conversation. Yeah, correct. Yeah. It's a And a really obvious one we haven't discussed, but don't be late. Oh yeah. Don't be late for the interview. I've had people turn up half an hour late and I've just gone to work. If you're still there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're waiting. Well, I'm in the office probably, right? And I've moved on to another task. Yeah. But then they've arrived half an hour, an hour late. I mean, that that's a, that's a no-no, right? It's definitely Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Be on time, be presentable, be energised. Even in like um, social settings, settings I, I still put want people to be on time, I mean like not yeah. just in terms of what I mean, this tells a lot, I mean if this person mm-hmm. comes in late for our work, then late for an interview, yeah, they'll yeah. be late for everything else Sorry, yeah. so That's it. <laughs> it's a little bit about lack of discipline, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Time correct, correct, correct. Yeah. Yeah. quite disrespectful at the end, you know, because people are setting aside their time to speak with you, just like we wouldn't want to be late for yeah. the interview as well. Especially yeah. when you guys are so busy already, we have so mm-hmm. many things to do, so many people to meet, yeah, 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 so yeah, many yeah. things to talk about in terms of business, yeah. okay, yeah. so then it brings us back to like how like we can transform like businesses, yeah, yeah. right? You didn't, you didn't ask us what what though is it makes a good candidate. Do you want to know what makes a good candidate? Ah, the opposite yeah. question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but so what is it that makes a good candidate? Now that we have talked about like the bad, yeah, the bad examples. Yeah. Uh, for me to start. Um, for me, again, I think we mentioned around doing your homework, but I'm always really keen on what the candidate asks me. Right. So it's n- it shouldn't just be a one-way conversation. And I actually think you can learn a lot about a person based on the questions they ask you. So again, what do they want to know about the company? What do they want to know about your career history, career progression? What makes you happy at work? All these kind of questions. Right. Again, it can be more specific based on on certain roles to that department. But how do they think? Again, it goes back to doing your homework. But you want someone that's curious and inquisitive. And again, I think it is a risk on both sides because it's not just the company hiring you. You're you're putting your faith in that business if you're going to go and work there. Yeah, and it's a huge change for you. So you should be. I don't like it where even though in the middle or at the end, I say, do you have any questions for me? No. No, um, no, I, I don't have any questions. That's, that's, okay. that's bad. Yeah. Yeah. But okay, is there a difference like when it, in terms of, you know, interviewing like locals or more expect? Um, because I, I feel that Singaporeans are very afraid to speak up in a sense when, you know, like, mm-hmm. I don't know, okay, I don't want to go there, but um, <laughs> a lot of people have that fear of, speaking up when it comes yeah. to talking to people of maybe higher caliber. So mm-hmm. maybe to them, you know, when they're talking to a hiring manager, is the power is in their hands. Mm-hmm. So they feel that, oh yeah, I can't I can't ask some mm-hmm. questions that could be sensitive, they not they're they're not sure. So well what kind of um I think I haven't really seen a difference in mm-hmm. terms of culture. I think yeah. uh, perhaps in I think more of a difference in terms of people. Correct. Right. I think right. it's yeah. more of a people yeah. Right. I think it's fair if let's say you think it's maybe rude to ask a question in yeah. the middle of an interview, yeah. but if you are asked if you have any questions, I think it might be. It would be good to ask questions to the guys. 
it's maybe not about prepping, but wouldn't you also be curious to find out more about the company? Right. Wouldn't you want to hear firsthand how yeah. it's actually like working in the company? And right. maybe you are interested in um, what's the company going to be like in three years? What's the company going to be like in five years? You also want to know how mm. are the people going to answer these questions? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think in an interview, for for example, for a qualifier, mm. we try to get each candidate to speak to at least like eight different people of the company, which is a lot for a small startup. So if there are forty people, you speak to eight people. That's like one thing. Right. Yeah, but we want the candidate to really get a feel of the company. So you don't just speak to the hiring manager and or HR, and then you only get a very uh, cut of a very specific view of mm-hmm. how the company works. But if you speak to a range of people, then you can form your own views. You can form your own idea of how the culture is like, what it's gonna be like working there, and and then you can ask the real questions. You know, you can ask. Um, someone maybe that would go on, that's gonna be a colleague, not your manager, not HR. Like here. So yeah, how's 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 it actually working? How's it actually like right. working? There's a lot of transparency actually. Yeah. And I, I would just say to that point as well, Aaron, um, having the confidence to ask questions. What one thing early in my career when I was first going into the workforce, mm. maybe I had some of those concerns, mm. right? Oh, I'm sitting in front of the CEO or the MP. Yeah. He doesn't have much time, or she doesn't have much time. How, how many questions can I ask? Um, but I think as I progress through my career, and again, I'm sitting on the other side, these are just people. Yeah. Like, these are just people, and, and they are open to you asking questions. And if you ask a question and that person shuts you down, I mean, that should be an immediate red flag anyway. As a candidate, like, mm, why do they, why they shut me down, right? So you should always have the confidence to, to ask questions. As long as they're intelligent questions, yeah, right? yeah. yeah. Make sure they're intelligent questions, um, but you should always be asking questions. Because uh, I say you you need to get that information yeah. you, to to make the right decision. And I think when you do join a company, you will have to speak up. You will have to ask questions. You will have to say things that might be out of your comfort zone. And we don't want people who will be like, "Oh, I have this question, or I have this concern, but I'm just." Yeah. Not Especially in startups, yeah. right? where people are running really fast, yeah. and things are changing every day. Mm-hmm. Um, you can easily miss things, right. right? You're working on a product or a new launch or client events, whatever it is, you need people in your team to speak up mm. and have the confidence, even if that person's more senior than you, to say, hey, I think you might miss mm. this or we need to look at this again. So again, you want to bring people like that into your, into your company. I think coming back to business transformation, I think this is even more important. Mm. The confidence to speak up, right. even to people you because you're making constant change Correct. and improvement yeah. on the company. And you need to keep asking people. So, how do you feel about this? Do you think anything can be done better? You need to speak up to say, like, I think this process can be improved. Right. I think this thing needs change. And right. This could also be talking to people who are far more senior. Yeah, you need that kind of confidence. True. That's mm-hmm. very true. Okay. Uh, now I'm yeah, like yeah. thinking about all the questions that I asked during the interview. Yeah, yeah. Is it correct? Oh my gosh. What, what kind of impression did I give? The, the last tip I can give on recruitment, I, again, is at the end of the process, but always make sure you get a couple of references. Mm. Ask for references from their most recent positions. They can tell you an awful lot. Mm. Uh, someone they've either reported into or a colleague, um, and ask them during the interview process. Say, you know, we'll, we'll, be, we'll be asking for a few references. And just right. kind of gauge their reaction, right. because if they're like, oh, references again, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But references, very important. Yeah, because you don't know until someone starts. So the best way it's to true. figure out something out is to talk to someone that has worked with them, or you know, they've reported into, and, and that can tell you an awful lot. And, and it can be a 10-15 minute call, mm-hmm. but yeah. it's such a time saver. 
versus right. bringing the wrong person in. Right. So, yeah. Okay, but honestly, personally, I've never gotten a like, question about my references before, but mm-hmm. in what in, in what instance that do you feel that, okay, maybe I should ask for some references? Like, is it because, you know, it's something you, you don't feel is right? Or what, what is it? Or is it just scared? <laughs> in the interview, you mean? Yeah. Um, because I think if someone's cool and collected, mm-hmm. and they're like, yeah, sure, I can I can provide references from the previous companies. I mean, that's what most people will say that. Mm-hmm. But if you find someone's very guarded, mm-hmm. or afterwards you, so before they do their final interview, you, you follow up and say, right. it was just before the final interview, we just want to get those few references for time saving. If they're not forthcoming, mm-hmm. again, it's a you potential problem. It. Yeah, right. it's a potential problem. Yeah. We did share with me about personality test. Ah, yeah. Yeah, we wanted to share a little bit on that, right? You, mm. I think you did uh four like there was four categories of um personality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I yeah. think that would be interesting to share. Yeah. So at Money Twenty Twenty, we do a more in depth one, but mm. at the previous company, um, something I found quite useful was um, we had a management consultant develop something very simple personality test. It took five minutes and you filled it in without thinking um, and there's four personality types so uh, controlling supporting analyzing and promoting and 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 people generally fall into these four buckets um, and you can do it for your team you can do it during the recruitment process as well because all we used to find was useful was that people that were right on the edges or were big outliers they have more trouble flexing to other personality types and when you're trying to build a really cohesive, supportive, complementary team you generally want to have people that are more kind of towards the centre and can flex to other personality types so that they get along, they support each other, there's a good team dynamic. Yeah, and what I always found was interesting from a manager perspective is just, just always figuring out where your team fell on this personality matrix because the way you should approach a meeting with someone that's a promoting personality who are a bit more loud, a bit more extroverted, you know, they like to tell stories and talk about the weekend and things they've done, to more someone that's more of an analyzing person, generally would gravitate more towards research or um, accounting. They tend to be a bit more introverted and quiet. So they don't like to talk so much about themselves. They don't like to provide uh, data without having gone away and done the research first. So it's just the way you approach meetings and, and, and do things internally. It's always good to have that in the back of your mind. And I found that that really useful in terms of both the recruiting process and in terms of running teams internally. Right. I think what it really helps is really to identify people's strengths. Yep. So right. I think that's where you can really play to people's strengths, get them right. work that's satisfying, fulfilling and enjoyable mm-hmm. for them. Right. And then also I think knowing people's personalities will help you to reduce conflict. Mm. Yeah. Sure. So you know that this person may be a little bit aggressive, so you, you kind of understand, okay, I know he's talking a little bit loud, but I don't think he needs any harm. Yeah, so I think that's a personality test really. Yeah, yeah. Have you used that in your interview process? So I mean, we, we tried it out. I think we haven't really found the right tool, but yeah. I think it's something that we want to start using. Right. Yeah. Like put in part of the process. Correct. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's no weaknesses, I think, as well. It's mm. like everyone's different. Yeah. So it's around yeah. It's, there's no right or wrong, no, right? It's adapting your approach and it's and it's making sure that you bring out everyone's strengths. Yeah. And if there are any potential shortfall areas. You, you support each other by mitigating those. Yeah. yeah. 
Going back to like references, so we do references for every one of our hires. We get uh-huh. two references. Yeah. And one of the things that we really like to ask that I find is the most important actually is actually strengths and like areas that we can support the person better. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So we always ask that, for example, if they provide like a previous hiring, a previous manager, then we'll mm-hmm. ask what are some areas that this person has done well, mm-hmm. and then what are areas that you think we can provide more support, or how can we actually help this person grow better in the next role. And I think it's it's really useful. I think it's not just about making sure that they are okay person, but really to help us chart out the next steps for this person as well. Mm-hmm. That's really yeah. important. I think it's different to hear that from like a company point of view. Mm-hmm. Because you know, normally on this side, you will be listening to, oh yeah, like what kind of candidates they're looking for. Mm. They won't tell you about how they can support these mm. people. So I think the support of companies is very important. Yeah, I think so. Wow. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And I guess um, we covered culture. We covered um, like what a good candidate looks for. I mean, in terms of um, two different verticals, like what do you think that um is important within like. You know, when it comes to pitching in towards like businesses mm-hmm. compared to like uh, just B two C, yeah. So what what will, what will be the difference? Like the major difference. I think for me to be the major difference is that you will talk to many different stakeholders. Mm-hmm. So it's very important to identify who you are talking to and what is the pain point of that person. So the end user versus the decision maker may not have a similar pain point. And mm-hmm. when you are actually pitching the product, it's important to understand what you are trying to sell. Most importantly, I think the first step is always to understand their problem. It's not about selling your solution and telling them my solution can solve this problem if right. they don't even identify that they have that problem in right. the first place, right. right? Yeah. So I think first step really is to understand their problems before telling them, okay, so I understand you have these issues that you are trying to resolve, and this is how we can actually help you. But doesn't consumers have some pain points as well? So then, hmm. it be like a very similar thing. It's just identifying problems within either the business or the individual. Mm. I think the difference then is like who you're actually selling to. So when it comes to a consumer, everyone is an end user. Mm-hmm. But maybe um, let's say you're selling to a CEO. The CEO's um, priority might be to cut costs, maybe to increase efficiency. Mm-hmm. But for the at a staff level, perhaps the person wants to reduce the number of steps or actually right. save my own time so that right. I can work on other tasks. So that's where you really identify what this person wants and then that's where you pitch your idea. Right. Makes sense. I mean, okay. Um, so I'm just thinking, right? Mm-hmm. Like, let's just say if we're talking about festivals and the mm-hmm. events that Accreditify have been in, I mean, we are, I've participated in a fintech event mm-hmm. that Accreditify was part of. That's where I met Jeremy. Oh, okay. Yeah, so then, you know, these are all um, catered to businesses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, what I think though is um, if we look at Money 2020 yeah. as an example uh, and just a kind of B2B and B2C rounds, what's happened a lot in in the last 10 years as technology's accelerated mm-hmm. and you have things like Amazon, mm-hmm. right, which yeah. has become mainstream. <clears throat> um, I'm pretty sure all of us in here are consumers on Amazon. Mm-hmm. I imagine most people outside are as well that are listening in, mm-hmm. uh, or other platforms locally like Shopify and mm-hmm. Zada. So, us as consumers, we're used to this fast, easy to use, frictionless, one click, yeah. say, shopping experience, just yeah. using e commerce as an example. But if we work in B2B, we also then take that back into our B2B environment. But then when, say, we're trying to buy something in the B2B space, mm-hmm. it can be a bit more traditional, slower, harder mm-hmm. to do. And so what you've seen happen in the last 10 years is that 
the B2B shopping experience has become much more similar, right, to mm -hmm. B2C yeah. because of the influence we've all had as consumers. It seems like similar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And for money 2020, something similar is that um, um, I mentioned earlier about we're not a, a kind of traditional show, right? I think if you think of a traditional yeah. show, it's a big concrete hall, companies buy space, yeah. you walk in, there's some zones, there's some stages in the corner, you walk around, you have some kind of coffee and, and do a few conversations. Yeah, you go to a stage, listen to a session and leave. Yeah. Right? So money 2020 is the exact opposite of that. And, and like I'd say in the kind of B2B e-commerce space, um, it's a B2B event, but it's super creative, mm -hmm. super unmissable. So you walk in and um, you're hit with very hands-on fun features. So you, know, you can you can be hanging out and having kind of barista coffee and being entertained in one area, um, and then walking to a stage like I mentioned, the off-the-record stage. But we had an in-between stage before as well. And there's a scientist that comes on, lightning that's going on, <laughs> right? Uh, our Sunday Night Live that we did in Las Vegas, we had. Um, um, heavy hits of speakers, and in the morning we had Serena Williams yeah. on the stage being being interviewed um, by our um, by our global head of, of strategy, Scarlett Seba, uh, um, which was an amazing session. And then similar on the other stages. So as I said, you've got to be a big deal to go on the stage. Mm -hmm. But so for example, we had Stripe, we had Air Wallets, these yeah. types of companies, but we had them before anybody knew who they were. Right. So they were discovered at Money 2020, right? In Amsterdam this year, we have uh, Money Beach. We have a giant money robot that walks around with a screen in its chest and it converts into a DJ deck. Uh, it's an extra screen on the stages. Um, yeah, parties in Las Vegas last year in Omnia nightclub. We had a rock band Foreigner that came, uh, DJ Yoda that we flew in. So when I say festival and show, I really mean festival. It's, a, it's an experience, right? And that's, I think, B2B, going back to your original question, the yeah. B2B and the B2C experience, if people are looking for that now in B2B, mm -hmm. right? They're looking for the same type of B2C experience right. that you would get, you know, within B2C. Because B2C, for a long time, has been very far ahead yeah. of B2B, but yeah. uh, it's getting much closer now. Yeah. And I think if you're working in a B2B company, and you're still doing things that you were doing 10 years ago, five years ago, you're not changing. It's always been done like that in our industry. It's the scariest phrase you can ever say. Right. Uh, and you're not innovating and you're not looking outside of your industry for inspiration. That's the risk. Yeah. Yeah. For you. Yeah. I think, okay, Accredify, I think it's a very um, innovative company. When I first heard mm. of it as well, I was like, is that you know? So that's when I went to um, that's when I went to the fintech festival. I found out all about them as well. I think um, in terms of innovative, both these companies is beyond like you know what is currently what what the market is currently doing. So that's really very impressive. Um, mm -hmm. I guess how about how about the tech involved like in Money Twenty Twenty? Because um, Credify has their own tech product. Right? So yeah. in terms of like Money Twenty Twenty, yeah. do you have like your own tech product or like? Yeah. yeah. Um, so on site, I mean, again, simplifying yeah. things, mm -hmm. you've got to go back to the reason behind the tech. Mm -hmm. So what are your audience actually looking for mm -hmm. on site, right? They're looking to be able to navigate the venue, 
maximize their time on site right. and meet with other relevant attendees. If you've got thousands of people going to your show and there's a lot going on in all different spaces and different activations. Yeah, imagine you're attending in a small group or on your own. How can you maximize your time on site? It's the show app, right? Yeah. It's the show app and Money 2020 has invested a lot in its show up. We have an AI feature which will allow you to connect with other relevant people based on your preferences. It will match, help you match make and help you meet them on site. Um, so we've developed that. And, and the interesting thing about Money 2020 is that most companies, most events businesses during the pandemic, um, they use that as a time to scale back. But Money 2020 actually invested in its business and looked at how we were doing things internally, which has meant that after the pandemic, we've come back really strongly. And one of those things is the technology it uses, including its show up. So, so for us around that kind of audience experience, you always have to make sure that the, the Wi-Fi is super fast, right? The Wi-Fi works and that, um, that the app is, because I've been at other shows where the app isn't fit to purpose. And the Money 2020 app is, is really good in that sense. So you can connect, you can have meetings. We have a connections lounge, which is like the heartbeat of our show in terms of meetings. That's where the, the thousands of meetings take place. And it's all fueled by, by our app. And then on the other side, it's the features that I mentioned. So we have our podcast studio there. We have uh, different activations going on. That's all fueled by technology. And we have some other very cool things happening that I can't talk about yet, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, and okay. We've got a press launch in Bangkok actually for uh, on the 27th of April for the Asia show that's happening mm -hmm. next year, yeah. the 23rd to the 25th. But we're going to be making a lot of very cool announcements. We for... get an invite. It's free to attend. You're welcome to come if you'd like to attend. It's at the Standard Hotel. But yeah, you, I can talk about more after the after the press launch. Yeah, looking forward to the 25th yeah, yeah. of April press launch. 27th. 27th. Yeah, 27th of April this oh, year. 23rd, Next year's 23rd, 25th okay. at 27. the Queen Siraki Hotel. Okay. Oh, Convention Centre. Like yeah. Somewhere in Bangkok. In Bangkok, yeah. Okay. In Bangkok. Okay. We'll have to look that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to get 25 on it. I hope so. <laughs> That's all we'll have for today. If there's anything you need to ask, feel free to reach out to any one of us. And um, I really want to thank you for taking thank the time you. to join me on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me on. It was, yeah, it was really yeah, fun yeah. talking to you guys. And so we'll talk, catch you next time. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.